It's Deep Focus. I'm your host, Mitch Goldman. It's November 28th, 2022. Vernon Reed is in the studio with me. You know, I look forward to doing these shows, and I always feel that the guest doesn't have to know everything about an artist. They don't have to have been a fan most of their lives. Anything that gets them excited about what we're listening to together is great. And But sometimes all those other things are true, too, and that's really the case tonight. Vernon Reed's done a, a bunch of these shows with me. And this one's been coming due for some time because Vernon is a, I was going to say a super fan of Santana. That would be such understatement that I'm going to withdraw that and say, why don't we listen together and see what comes out. This is part two of three one hour chunks of this broadcast from that evening. And uh, if you didn't hear part one, you might want to go start with that one. And uh, but otherwise, you're in the right place. So this is part two of three parts. November 28th, 2022, Vernon Reed on the topic of Carlos Santana, specifically in the very vital year of 1972. Enjoy. Very much like a series of flow states that are combining. And um, and that's what's making it so wonderful to hear because. It's not self-conscious. It's not, you know, it's not trying to be something else. They're doing the thing that they're doing, and it's it's beautiful, you know. So, I mean, and I hadn't heard, um, like, those particular tunes. It was wonderful to hear Samba Pati, though, in, in the caravanserai type of style because it, it's a little different than the way he played it at the time he used to play it at the time you know but when when it was written but now you know including these really interesting rests and things like that it's, it's really um you know they're fully you know they're a bunch of young dudes they're not at all jaded not at all they're they're really in it they're really in it and it's wonderful to hear and this something we talked about a bit off mic that um these guys could have very easily just had some little vamps and gone out and jammed on that, and people probably would have been very happy to hear it. Yeah, but that's not what's going on here. No, it's very compositional, and there, you know there are parts to these tunes, and there are there there are parts that vamp, but there are also like other kind of textures and rhythms and, and bits that they do, which are really set it uh, you know set it off from just jamming whatever you know they're doing and and you know because that is is a particular you know it's it's a funny thing because that can be incredibly boring or it can be completely in, enveloping but that's really about how the players in, interconnect how they connect and also what they let go of it's like what you create and then let go of as opposed to getting hung up in a thing, getting hung up in a, you know, feeling yourself, you know, then you're not listening to what the, the collective is doing. And it feels very much like the collective is listening. It's listening to itself. It's become its own organic happening. And the organic happening is paying attention to its movements as opposed to the individual going for their stats, you know. I'm going to do my, you know, like, 
I'm going to get up and do my thing, you know. <laughs> right, right. I, I just recently listened to uh, JB live at the Olympia in Paris. And, Ooh. Good heavens. <laughs> I don't know that one. Oh, man. Live at the Olympia. Um, it's, 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 incre- it's incredible. One, one of the things that's incredible about the JB band is that there's no, like, the segues unbelievable because they're doing the segues without counting like their tempo shifts where the entire band is locked in and you and it's there's no there's no count there's no there's like sometimes you'll hear like oh there's a tell right yeah 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 where somebody right. will do something rhythmic to to let right. you, yeah, you and that's fair enough you, so you get a cadence you, there's a cowbell there's a little something but like it's it's unbelievable it's like they, you know, they they do a segue, and the band is in in a completely different tempo, but there's no count off. <laughs> then they go back to another groove, and they go back, you know, they ramp the tempo up, and they're in the exact BPM that they were in before. And then they'll go, and they'll slow it down, and it's it's unreal. I mean, not to this isn't a show about that, but but it it, it is an extraordinary document. Uh, you know, the you know live uh, the J you know James Brown. Live in Paris at the Olympiad. It's it's if you haven't heard that record, for, forget about it. See, this would be if this was available, it would be beautiful, right? The 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 Caravanserai live, but it's not. It's exclusive. Mitch Goldman dug it up. <laughs> That's right. You know well, what I mean? Well, you know, you, you inspired that. But um, but now uh, another question for you, mm. as a guitar player. Mm-hmm. To me. Mm-hmm. Carlos Santana is one of the, among his other distinctions, one of the ultimate tone meisters. Oh my God! Yeah, his tone is just his tone is his tone is. I mean, and 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 the funny thing is, I, I think about Carlos, and I've seen him play with many different guitars. You know, he played. He used to play an SG. That was just a Gibson SG, and, and for a time he played a. a um, the L the L6S there was a particular guitar with the little veritone switch which is kind of not quite a Les Paul but it was a, it's a kind of interesting instrument you know, those that are guitar heads will know the L6S with the veritone then he played a Yamaha guitar for, that was later wasn't yeah, it yeah he played this Yamaha guitar which was a little bit like a Les Paul Jr and then you know and mainly He's mainly known for Paul Reed. He put Paul Reed Smith kind of on the map. You know, Paul Reed Smith, you know, because I believe, I think Jerry Garcia also did, you know, I mean, he had custom guitars, but he, but the Paul Reed Smith was like a particular thing that, that Santana, you know, and that's the guitar that's most associated with Carlos Santana. But what's so funny about it is that his tone has followed him Yes. through all these different instruments. You yeah. know, he always sounds like himself with some nuances but he you know he always makes it sound the like himself you know so when he was playing the Yamaha guitar or was playing the, the Paul Reed Smith or whether he's playing the SG or whether he's playing the L6S you know he he dials it in he's got it he's got it really dialed in and it's um it's, and, and also the amps too which have oh yeah right transformed the, over yeah years. absolutely you know, of course, he was mainly associated with Mesa Boogie, which I was a Mesa, Mesa Boogie person for years and years and years and years. 
you know. And I still I think they they make a great product, you know. But um, I just recently, you know, started playing Tony Iommi associated amps, the Laney. They're 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 doing a great thing, you know. But anyway, I digress. Um, yeah, but Carlos, his tone, his sound, his feel of his tone is just it's it's its own it's its own thing and it's uh he's burnished it you know it's like liquid gold it's beautiful yeah it's beautiful and he is an interesting thing that uh something i notice through the all the different things i listen to quoting right coltrane you almost never hear him quote charlie parker quoter Mm-hmm. Sonny Rollins, quoter. Oh, yeah, Sonny. Carlos Santana, quoter. Oh yeah, yeah. This is it's it's um it's funny because um, there's a he he's quoting. It sounds like he's quoting George Benson at a point, but that but I think that phrasing, and I could be mistaken, so don't jump down my throat, people. But I think that that phrasing. Is is actually Gabor Zabo because it's really early. It's much earlier than that same that same kind of uh, phrase that people associate with George Benson. Right. That he, he that I don't think. But that's come like out late. For... But that's that's later. That that actually. Yeah, this is seventy two. Yeah, I think that was yeah. seventy seven or something. Yeah, but that's but that's um the I think it's Breezen. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah Breezen. That I believe. Is a Gabor Zabo instrumental, and that's where and that's where that phrasing comes from. So you know, it's so it's interesting, man. At some point, someone's you know, someone's got to do a thing just on Gabor, right. Gabor Zabo because yeah. he really is one of the most influential um, stylists that people don't really you know what I mean. There there are a few folks like that who very influential but are are not known um as widely as they should be you know Tal Farlow's another one yeah you know? sure. I mean players that just they reset a tone you know what I mean like because Tal Farlow had this thing where he's like country and bebop you know he just made that work you know what I mean and um and and Gabor Zabo, you know, he just uh, he he his records have a vibe to them. They just have a vibe to them, and uh, and uh, you know, he's kind of I guess a guitarist, guitarist because you know he, well, he yeah. certainly shows up in both <laughs> yeah. Carlos and George Benson. That's pretty deep, you know what I mean? Uh, that's, that's high praise. Yeah. Well, we are listening to a recording from the WKCR archives of Santana playing in. Seattle, Washington, University of Washington, October 15th, 1972, not long after recording the album Caravan Sarai, and we heard some of that music in here, along with some earlier stuff that was part of the book for these guys, although, as you were saying, definitely shaped by the kind of musical thinking that was going on around that album. Mm -hmm. Uh, We heard Every Step of the Way, Mm -hmm. Samba Pati, and then from Caravan Sarai, Look Up to See What's Coming Down, and... Heading into just in time to see the sun, also from uh, Caravan Sarai. And then they go into Incident at Neshabur, and I think you'll hear some more quoting that you might okay. recognize. Shall we? Let's go into it, yeah. I'll just run it down for you real quick one more time. So, of course, it's Carlos Santana playing guitar, the keyboardist, Tom Coster. Maybe we'll talk about these guys when we come out after mm-hmm. this next set. 
Uh, Doug Roush on the bass, really interesting player. Who Vernon, you and I were talking about yeah, him a bit. Yeah, he's a beautiful player. Yeah, it's a shame he passed fairly early on. You know, like kind of like Tommy Bolin. You know, like just just beautiful individual people with which we, really they just had a lot more to give, and um, it's a shame. Very true. Michael Shreve's still doing it on drums, and he was on. Uh, he was produced uh, Caravans Rye with. Carlos Santana, Mingo Lewis Congas and percussion, Chepito Timbales and percussion, Armando Peraza on Congas and percussion, and Richard Kermode, the keyboard player. So I guess this is uh, Greg Rowley had left. Anyway, all right. Yeah, yeah that's like, this is kind of like the, the same crew that's on Welcome. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, this, this band kind of was... Kind of with slight with variations, you know that that there's this band represents a certain period. Anyway, the show's on. called Deep Focus. It's WKCR. I'm Mitch Goldman here with Vernon Reed, hey, and hey. the focus is on Carlos Santana. WKCR. <laughs>
you know I hate pulling away during that that moment right there. But I want to tell you what's going on. You're listening to Deep Focus on WKCR. I'm your host, Mitch Goldman. Very honored, delighted, ebullion, I'll say, to have my guest in the studio, Vernon Reed. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Yeah, man. It's, it's, a, it's a really incredible to hear music, a live representation of music that meant meant so much to me at the time and to hear how great that band was you know I mean I was just like listening and really focusing a bit on Doug Rauch the bass player you know who was just taken too soon who was phenomenal player and just how intuitive and how locked in the band the entire ensemble is you know it's a certain kind of tightness that's just they make it feel like it was just a part of their just a part of their bodies you know they just really moved as one type of thing which you know because I mean bands I mean are funny because you know bands can be tight or not tight but it's a special thing something when a band just feels like it's an organism you know, because that's kind of what the, that's kind of the feeling I get from this band's performance in Seattle in 72. You know, I was mentioning, I guess, you know, like I was talking about James Brown, and I think it's the same year. I think it's James Brown Live at the Olympiad is 72. Well, wildly different music, but the thing that's the same is the sense of the band as a complete organism, firing on all cylinders, all parts, you know. Like, we just ended listening to a wonderful drum solo by Michael Shreve, you know, and, and how... We should let folks know, in case people join oh, in the sure. middle of that, I'll just let you know, you're because uh, you're, you're right on it. Don't lose that train of okay. thought. <laughs> but um, it's, uh, you called Vernon for us, uh, I said, what are we going to talk about? And Carlos Santana, and we yeah. zeroed in on this year of, well, you you pointed me in the direction of Caravanserai. Yeah. And that was 1972. Mm-hmm. And this is, in a sense, almost an instrumental version, a live performance version of what that album was. It's uh, fall of 1972 in Seattle. Mm-hmm. And um, so, and you, yeah, you mentioned uh, Mike Shreve, who was the drummer who produced that album with Santana. Uh, you've got Tom Coster on keyboards, Doug Rausch, you mentioned, on the bass, Mingo Lewis, Chapito, and Armando Peraza playing percussion, and Richard Kermode on the keyboards. And it's a live, unreleased recording yeah. from the yeah. I, I, I think Richard, yeah. Richard Kermode particularly played organ, you know, in yeah. that ensemble. And Tom, Tom Coster played electric piano. I mean, they're both playing keys, but um, by, I believe Kermode played organ specifically. Um, taking up the space where Greg Raleigh would would have been, and um, well, you know that feeling like you hear a band and you think, oh, all these people, they all know the same thing. They're all they're like a, you know a band of merry men all marauding yeah. together, <laughs> and, and then you meet them and it's like, ooh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But but it really does show a show like this really does give you that feeling of everybody pulling in the same direction. Yeah, you know, I mean. You know, I'm sure it was more complicated, you know, because a lot of, a lot of times, you know, when 
it 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 it's always more complicated than you can know. And a lot of times, you know, the band on stage and the band off stage is two different scenarios. But having said that, you know, the fact that you know a band, you know, like a band where where they, you know, they they. You know, like Yes was legendary for the conflicts within the band, you know, but they but they just were supreme, you know. I mean, through all the iterations, they were just they just represented their music, you know, in just a way that was, you know, it, you know, it's undeniable. You know, I, I, you know, there's a documentary right now that's streaming about King Crimson and it's, you know. It's also around around the seventies era of King Crimson, and uh, there are a lot of tearful confessions. And you know, it's like, you know, with Fripp, Fripp is sort of stoic in the midst of all of it. You know what I mean? And um, you know, but at the same time, you know, there's just a thing when you're available, when you are in your cups, when you're feeling yourself. I mean, it changes as musicians and, you know, you know, it becomes a choice. It's a certain kind of choice to be involved and to give to the music and really give oneself to the music because, you know, you can become so adept in the craft. And this is this is something that's parallel with great people that could sing the phone book. The problem with being able to sing the phone book is that you don't ever have to mean it because you because you sound good, you can sing, you know what I mean? And you can sound emotive even if you don't care about the lyric, you don't care about. And, you know, the difference is actually taking the risk of exposing oneself. And this is something that is a very, it, it, a lot of artists, they live to get to the place where they have enough skill where they actually don't have to do that. So it takes a risk factor, a necessary risk factor, which is the essence of art. You know, when that's taken away, you have a you have a simulacrum. You can have a simulacrum. It's Monday, November 28th, 2022. Vernon Reed is in the studio with me. We are listening to the music of definitely one of his favorite artists. I'll say uh, one of his most influential artists, certainly. And a favorite of mine, too. And I love hearing the music through Vernon's ears, which is what we get to do on these deep focus shows. Love it when a plan comes together. Okay, so uh, it's a three-hour show. It's recorded in three one-hour chunks. That was hour two. So I will see you over at hour three. Find us on Deep Focus on your favorite podcasting app. See you at part three.